welcome to the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for everyone that's coming on the live right now. Hope you guys are having a fantastic Friday in the name of the Lord. Got a jam-packed show for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about how Volkswagen's getting sued by a family after their child was kidnapped and they were they had the GPS information tracking uh, but rather than give it to the cops right away, they made the family pay $150 to give that GPS information up. We're also going to be talking about Draymond Green and the indefinite suspension that he received and how the NBA came to that conclusion to indefinitely suspend him rather than give him a certain number of games in an effort to try to get him the help that he needs. We're also going to be talking about what happens when you put family above God. When you put anything on the throne, as we've talked about in, in episodes past, and how we can go about making sure that we keep God first in our lives and how everything else will fall into place. But we're going to start our morning um, continuing our journey through the Shadows of the Cross series as we're looking at the book of Hebrews and how everything in the Old Testament is a testament to who Christ is. So we're grateful for being um, with you guys on this morning. I hope you're having a fantastic Friday, and this is a good start off to your weekend endeavors. We're going to start with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into our series on today. And just as a, um, as a aside, as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to drop down in that comment box below with any questions, any comments, any concerns that you may have. We just ask that you keep it classy, so that way we don't get shadow banned. Uh, but again... Um, by all means, uh, drop down in the comment box below any questions that you may have. And at the end of the show, again, so it's about 745, 750-ish, we'll answer any questions that is put in the drop box. Uh, so be sure to stay tuned because uh, we will go through the comment box and um, answer any questions that you may have. Again, we're going to start with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into our word for this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you saying thank you for another blessed day in your presence. We're thankful, Lord God, that you think it not robbery to give us this opportunity to be able to worship you in spirit and truth. And we ask, Lord God, that you just continue just to saturate us with your love, with your presence, with your grace, with your forgiveness, and everything else in between. We're asking, Lord God, that you just continue to uh, shine the light in the dark spaces, continue to illuminate our path, uh, continue to lead us and guide us in the direction that you would have us to go, um, and allow us to delight ourselves in you and everything that we say and do. Lord God, we ask that this show just be lifted up to you, that it be none of me and all of you. Lord God, every word that's said on today, let it be a testament to the supremacy of who you are. And Lord God, we thank your son, Jesus Christ, who made all this possible by dying on the cross and rising again, that we may have life and have it more abundantly, that we may be transferred from the kingdom of, of darkness to the kingdom of light. Uh, Lord God, that we may be called the righteousness of God. For while we were sinners, while we were enemies, and while we were um, while we were enemies towards you, Lord God, you died for us. And while we were weak, you died for us. And so we're thankful, Lord God, that you thought it right robbery to get on a cross and die for our sins, that we again may be called the righteousness of God. We'll be so careful to give your name our praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So again, we're in. The book of Hebrews, as we've been, as we're continuing our series entitled Shadows of the Cross, we've been looking at how everything in the Old Testament is a testament to who Jesus is. So it tells, so in that, it's, it, we're, we're learning that everything from Genesis through Revelation is a testament to who Christ is, if we just know how to look. 
that we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate our hearts and illuminate our minds so that way we know exactly what we're looking at when we read our Bibles. And in doing so, we know exactly who God is, who Christ is, and how everything is a testament to him. Uh, we won't go into the drive-by like we normally do because there's a whole lot of drive-bys to do. In fact, our um, author today, as we look at Hebrews chapter 11, is going to do a drive-by of pretty much the entire Old Testament to remind us all over again how everything in the scriptures is a testament to who Christ is. And so, just as we've seen that the Levitical priesthood is a shadow of Christ, we've looked at how Moses is a shadow of Christ, we've looked at how angels are a shadow of Christ, in this same way, the... Um, the author of Hebrews is going to show us how everything is a shadow of who Jesus is. In so much that the promises that God has promised every person in the Old Testament is a picture of the eternal promises that God has given us. That the faith that we have in God is such to where we are walking by faith and not by sight in the comfort of knowing that we have our um, our, our, our hope, our peace, our joy eternally secure in Jesus, much like the prophets of old, much like the people of old, um, have had, um, had had faith in God for the promises that he promised them. So as we look at, um, verse 39 of chapter 10, because I love how the author of Hebrews, he'll say something and then the very next chapter is kind of a continuation of the last thing that he said in the last chapter. They broke it up that way. They probably shouldn't have, but it doesn't matter. Here we go. Verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their souls. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him as by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was um, to receive as an inheritance. As he went out, not knowing where he was going, um, and he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man, as him as good as dead, were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as the innumerable grains of sand by the seashore. 
These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen and greeted them from afar, um, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. What you looking for? It's, it's in the kitchen. It's okay. It's either in the kitchen or in the, bed, in, the, in, the, in the bedroom of my dresser. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and, who, and he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up only, only his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, configuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac evoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the exiles and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called son, the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passovers and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back the dead from res by resurrection, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they may rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, all of whom was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all these though commended through faith, through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. Therefore, this is chapter 12, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
and sin which cling so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. So the author of Hebrews takes us through a, a, a drive-by of the history of Israel and says to us that if they were willing to, by faith, believe in God for everything that God promised them, how much more should we believe in Jesus? Because if Jesus is the shadow of the Old, if, if the Old Testament is a shadow of Jesus Christ, and everything in the Old Testament testifies to who Jesus is, if we believe in God, then we should believe in Christ so much that among the, um, the great cloud of witnesses of our Old Testament ancestors, we should run the race with endurance, knowing that our promises are eternally secure. Why? Because if he did it for them back then, how much more can we be assured that he has done it for us? See, many times we look at the Old Testament and look at the stories of old and we just see them either as parables or we see them as opportunities for us to see how God is going to bless us with material things. We look at, we look at Moses, we look at Abraham, we look at Isaac, we look at Jacob, we look at all these guys and, and girls in the Old Testament and the only thing that we want to say about them is the fact that, oh, you know, because they, um... God bless them with stuff. If I pray hard enough, God's going to bless me. But what the author of Hebrews has been trying to tell us for the past 11, 12 chapters now is that everything about the Old Testament testifies to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. That nothing about the Old Testament, it, well, I'm not, let me not say it like that. Yes, if we're going to pray to, if we're going to pray to anybody about anything that we want in this world, we should ask God. We should pray to God. We should seek God because if anybody's going to give it to us, Surely God is. If anybody's going to bless us, it's going to be God. But we cannot look to the Old Testament and look to them as if that is the only thing that we are to learn from them. From them. The author of Hebrews is not telling us to have faith in the, in, the old, in the Old Testament because everybody received their promises. That's not the point. The point is, if by faith, if they put their faith in God, that God was going to do what he said they, that he was going that they were going that he was going to do how much more should we put our faith in Jesus Christ if they put their faith in God and all of them are testaments to the supremacy of Jesus Christ how much more should we put our faith in Jesus Christ how much more should we walk by faith and not by sight because if you look all throughout the old um, of, of Hebrews chapter 11, watch what it says. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. That goes all the way back to Genesis 1 and 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word was the earth was um void and was and was formless, and God started speaking. Let let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. If we believe in God, then we believe by faith. Because we didn't see it happen, but we believe by faith 
that by the word of mouth, the word of God himself, Christ, the word of God, the world and everything in this universe was formed. He talks a little bit more about faith. He says, um, through Abel's faith, though he died, he still speaks. He says, furthermore, for without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. <clears throat> Excuse me. Verse number seven. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Goes out a little bit further and talks about how um, Abraham in verse 10 was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. And so even though he was going to find, try to find this, this holy land, he knew there was a land without there even being a book of revelations written yet, that there is a land that has foundations that's already been laid and designed by God. So even though he was looking for the promised land in the natural, he knew there is a great city coming one day. And when that, and I can't wait for that great city to come. So by faith, I'm walking out what God has me to walk out, even though I, I haven't seen it yet. Even though I'm here and I ain't all I'm living in tents. I'm not living in the great city that God has, has, has promised is going to come down yet. And he ain't even got the book of Revelation yet. In that, in that, because again, the book of Revelation ain't written yet. He says, um, and from one man as he and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many as innumerable of the um, grains by the seashore. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had been thinking of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And we got to walk that out by faith. That's all being walked out by faith. So Abraham, again, is a shadow of what Christ has accomplished for us in that if we believe in Jesus, we know that we have a heavenly home that we're looking forward to. So, again, continuing on down. Verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Looking to the reward. Verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. And so we see on and on and on, everything in the Old Testament testifies to the supremacy of Jesus and who he is and what he has accomplished in the world. He tells us in verse 30, uh, verse 39, all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us that apart from us 
they should not be made perfect. And so, all throughout the Old Testament, yes, they received material blessings, but everybody was looking forward to that great day when God was going to bring heaven down to earth. When everything that God promised all the Old Testament, all the Old Testament heroes, that hall of faith that we so coined, you know, we look to them as men and women who had great faith, but we only look to them in so much of what they accomplished in their time here on earth and don't realize a lot of times, as the author of Hebrews is trying to illuminate today, that everything that they get, that they had faith in, was in light of something better coming. It wasn't, they, they didn't just have faith in what they got. They, were, they had faith in who God is and what they knew was coming in the life to come. They all knew of a promised Messiah that was coming to wash, the, to, wash the, to wash away the sins of the world. To usher in a new heaven and a new earth. It's why it's so heartbreaking that when Jesus finally does arrive, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and everyone else in between don't know who he is. But as we know, if they would have known who he was, as it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, then they would not have crucified him. So it was fitting that they did not know who he was so that it would so that everything would work out to where Jesus would get to the cross. For as we've said before, it's not so much about him being crucified that's the issue, is that when he rose again from the dead, did you still believe him? Did you believe in him then? Did you believe in him once he rose from the dead? So again, everything about the Old Testament and all of the heroes of the Old Testament, they're heroes not because they received what they wanted from God, but because they believed in God and believed in the eternal promises that he promised every last one of us. That there is a day coming where this world will be purified, made brand new. And once it's made brand new, we will be ushered into the new earth that God has promised us. That the great city of heaven is going to come down on earth already prepared for us. We're not going to have to build this city. This city will be ours and it will already be made that it made by the mighty hand of God. And as such, we can look forward to our sins being forgiven. We look we 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 can look we 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 enjoy the forgiveness, the love, the grace, and the peace of God. And we run our race with eager expectation of a greater, a greater world that 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 that, that pale that everything in this world pays pales in comparison to. And so that's why he tells us, since we are surrounded by so great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking not to Abraham, not to Isaac, not to Jacob, not to Moses, not to Enoch, not to um, Joshua, not to David, not to Daniel, not to um, Isaiah or Jeremiah or Micah or Hosea or Solomon or Rahab or Ruth or any of them. 
but looking to Jesus, the author and the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So again, all of our biblical ancestors, Moses, Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Joshua, Samuel, David, Gideon, Solomon, all those boys, Rahab, going to bring the women in, Ruth, Deborah, um, what's the name, Esther, all of them are shadows of Jesus. So while we look to Abraham and all of them as examples to live by, we should be chasing after Jesus. For Abraham and Isaac and all of them are mere shadows of the one that we should be chasing after, the one that we should be following, the one that we should be patterning, patterning our entire lives off of. Because God has created us in his image. Not Abraham's, not Isaac's, not Jacob's, not Joseph's, not Deborah's, not Esther's, not Isaiah, not Jeremiah, not, not Elijah, not Elisha, none of them. Jesus, we are created in the image of him. And as such, we look to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, the author and finisher, if you're, if you're King James Version, I'm here, who for the joy that was set before him, just like Abraham with the promise of the son, just like Moses in the promise of the promised land, just like with Joshua in the conquering of the promised land, David and becoming the king, Solomon being able to build the temple, Isaiah seeing the, the, the visions of a new day, Esther saving her people, the joy that was set before Christ, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is now seated at the right hand of God. The Old Testament testifies to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Let me sit up. Testifies to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. Everything about your Bible testifies to the supremacy of Jesus Christ. We would do well to stop looking for ourselves in these in the in our Bibles and instead look for Jesus. We spend a lot of time in our individualistic society looking for examples in our scriptures to motivate us to do what we want to do. We look for ourselves in these scriptures and thereby rip scriptures apart in an attempt to build vision boards and build mission statements and build mantras for our own lives. We take uh, we take scriptures and we just we just plaster them as a means of trying to say, I'm living the blessed life. Rather than using these scriptures by power of the Holy Spirit to see where is Jesus in this scripture. 
Not where am I, but where is Jesus? For Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. Too many of us are trying to be our own authors and our own finishers of our faith. Tagging God's name onto everything that we're doing rather than seeking these scriptures out and learning how to conform to Jesus rather than Jesus conforming to us. And so we, the people of God, would do well to ask the Holy Spirit, just like God, just like Jesus showed the, the boys on the road to Emmaus in the book of Luke. Where is Jesus in Genesis? Where is Jesus in Exodus? Where is Jesus in Leviticus? Where is Jesus in Numbers? Where is Jesus in Deuteronomy? Where is Jesus in Joshua? Where is Jesus in Judges? On and on and on. Where is Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? You better know where he is there, right? But where is Jesus in Acts? Where is Jesus in uh, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians? Where is Jesus in Titus? Where is Jesus in Jude? Where is Jesus in Ruth? Where is Jesus in Esther? Where is Jesus in Micah? Where is Jesus in Hosea? For far too often, we use these scriptures as a means to try to find us. That's not the point of the scriptures. We are not the point. Jesus is the point. Everything from Genesis to Revelation is pointing to Jesus. So as we read the entire chapter 11 of Hebrews, all of those were giving us the backdrop to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. We look to Jesus as the author and the finisher, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Because if Abraham could follow God, how much more should we follow Christ? If Isaac could follow God, how much more should we follow Christ? That's the parallel that the author of Hebrews is drawing for us. That we look to them following God as the blueprint of how we should follow Christ. Not chase after blessings. Not chase after material things. Again, if you're going to ask anybody for anything, ask God. We just got done last week. Go boldly to the throne. And tell God what you want. But in your asking, are you asking God for a closer walk with him? In your asking, are you asking for more faith? In your prayer life, are you asking God for more guidance? Are you asking God for more peace in your soul? Are you asking God for the, for the spiritual blessings that he has promised us? That are instantly and readily available to us? Or is your prayer life more anchored in the material things that you want? And like I said, ask for the job, ask for the car, ask for the house, ask for the wife, ask for the husband, ask for the kids, ask for, you know, the vacation, ask for whatever you want from God. But again, check your prayer life because your prayer life is an indicator of what you really are seeking after. What sits on the throne of your heart? 
God says, delight thyself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Our heart's desire should be more of him. Somewhere in there. Because if we say we love Jesus and we say that he is the greatest thing that's ever happened to us, then we as the people of God should be more more apt to want him. Because heaven and earth is going to pass away. All these gifts and all these, these things, the house, the car, all this is going to amount to nothing. We're not taking this stuff with us. Steward well the things that God has given you, but we're not taking any of this stuff with us when we go, when we got, when we die. We're not taking any of this stuff with us. So it would behoove us to put our trust, our faith, and our hope in the almighty hands of God, as it says in our scriptures today. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. It is impossible to please him. And we look to Jesus, the author and the finisher, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, as the example by which we follow, because again, for the joy that was set before him, joy that was set before him. So he saw something greater on the other side of the crucifixion. For each and every one of us, he saw something on the other side of the cross. He saw something on the other side of the grave. He saw something on the other side of the tomb. And because of what he saw, he endured the cross. So we, the people of God, can be free. Free from sin, free from guilt, free from shame, and reclaim our, our, our standing as the image bearers of God. Christ did that for us. And so we, the people of God, can rest in the comfort of knowing that everything that God has promised us in these scriptures are yes and amen. Because again, without faith, it is impossible to please him. But by faith, we can believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that everything that God has promised us is yes and amen. And why can we believe that? Because all of our, our biblical ancestors, they believed. And it was their faith that was counted toward righteousness. It was their faith that counted them, that commended them. Their faith is what got them in. Because again, as it says... In um in verse in in this um in chapter eleven, verse number six, without faith, it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God, must believe that He exists, and that He rewards those who seek Him. And we believe not by sight but by faith. And so we, the people of God, if we've been given the heart to know God, to believe in God, to trust in God, to uh, walk in God, 
It is by our faith. It is by our faith, not by sight, that we, but that we walk, we walk in Him. Again, those who believe in God, who will draw near to God, must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. So again, as it says in um, uh, verses 1 and 2 of chapter 12, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of God. So my brothers and sisters that are watching today, let us run this race with endurance. Let us run this race for the joy that's set before us. We have been given a precious gift, freedom, peace, love, forgiveness, salvation. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us because we know that just as these Old Testament heads knew there's something greater coming, we know something greater is coming. So let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Look into Jesus who ran his race and ran it well so that we can run our race. And at the, at the crack of the sky, when that great day comes, we'll be able to see Jesus face to face. And we'll reign and rule and live with him forever. So keep running. Keep running. Keep moving. Keep marching. Keep going. Because you don't have, you don't have to worry about whether or not you're going to get in. If you believe in Jesus, you are getting into the kingdom. You're in. You're in the kingdom. So run your race. Run well, Christian. March on, Christian. Because a day is coming where we will no longer walk by faith, but by sight. And when that day comes, to God be the glory for everything that he has done, what he's doing, and what he will continue to do because he is so worthy to be praised, to be uplifted and exalted for everything that he has accomplished for us by virtue of his death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and future return. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for the 3,500 likes that we've received thus far. We appreciate every like, every comment, every follow, and every share. If you missed any part of this message or would like to um, listen to past episodes, you can go right now to the True Gospel Morning Show, the podcast, and listen to every episode that we've had from inception to now. We thank you so, so much. When we come back, we're going to be talking about how Volkswagen's getting sued by these parents whose child was kidnapped in their car and they had to pay $150 for the cops to get the GPS information off of the car. And so we're going to talk about that and much more 
when we're when we come back in just a moment. True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, so Volkswagen's getting sued by this family um, whose son was kidnapped uh, and they had the GPS tracking enabled on the car. And they, the cops called Volkswagen and said, hey, let me get that GPS off you so that way we can find this kid. And Volkswagen said, the parents got to pay us $150 for us to release that information to you. I'm going to let them talk for themselves as we flip this camera around so that way you guys can see what I see. Terrified that she might never see her son again. His father says they filed a lawsuit in part to keep this from happening to other parents. He says during the most frantic moments of his life when his child was missing, the companies that were in a position to help him find the child refused. Taylor Shepard was 24 weeks pregnant with her now healthy four-month-old son when masked carjackers stole her car from her home in February and ran her over while speeding away. But that was not the worst of it. Her two-year-old son was still strapped into his car seat in the back. I just thought these people were kidnappers and I was never going to see my son again. She had tire tracks over her stomach and suffered numerous broken bones, including a fractured pelvis. But that was not her concern. She called 911 and remembered she had a tracking device in her Volkswagen to help police find her car and her son. But there was an issue. The subscription on the tracking service had run out and the company refused to help without payment. 
I didn't even think that that would be an issue, that Volkswagen would refuse to tell us where our son was, especially when it's a kidnapping and every second matters. According to a lawsuit Shepard and her husband filed against both Volkswagen and Verizon, the GPS contractor, the companies refused to give information to police because the one-year subscription had expired and they wanted a $150 renewal payment. Knowing that your kid's gone and you can't really do anything about it and, and these people are on the other side of the phone that are capable of doing something about it and they're just telling you no. Police were able to find two-year-old Isaiah when an alert citizen saw the toddler walking near a busy road where the carjackers apparently pushed him out of the stolen vehicle. He was physically unharmed. His mother, however, remains in physical therapy for her injuries. In the aftermath of the incident, Volkswagen started giving five-year subscriptions for the tracking service on select models. Neither Volkswagen nor Verizon responded to our request for comment on the lawsuit. But back in March, a Volkswagen executive called what happened a process failure. I think this case and the facts are just an egregious example of corporate greed, right? Of putting profits over people. No one is in custody for the carjacking, but a spokesperson for the Lake County Sheriff's Office tells us that they have identified suspects and close to getting arrest warrants. They tell us several of those suspects are juveniles. Robbie. Did you did you just go pew pew? <laughs> Good one. Yes, but this is exactly what happens when we put profits over people. Profits over people. You know, like this was not the time to be trying to get a your one year renewal subscription for your GPS you know, tracking devices. Because can we call a spade a spade? You know, and this is the first time I've actually heard the story all the way through. So we're all reacting to this at the same time. We all got cell phones now, bruh. Like, when's the last time you used GPS tracking in your car? Really? Like, all of us got Google. All of us got, you know, uh, iPhones. Them things track us. We using them to get us where we need to go. Don't nobody use the tracking devices in the cars no more. Period. Period. Point blank. So no one in their in their right mind, in the average person's mind, is thinking, "Oh, my one year subscription for my GPS tracking on my um my car is about to expire. I might want to renew it because all we use GPS tracking for." It's how to get from point A to point B. Nobody's thinking of, you know, my car might get jacked one day. Let me make sure I keep this subscription up so that way, just in case somebody jacks my car, I have GPS tracking on it so that way it can get took. Now, maybe we should be thinking about that. I don't know. But here's the thing. In that moment, in that situation, the last thing anybody's caring about is wanting to renew a subscription so that way you can find a, you can find a child. Like, nobody's thinking about that. And so, you know, here it is, you have an opportunity to do the right thing and your policy and your profits come before people. 
They come before people. I've, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. Unless it's affecting the people that are in power, the people in power are very difficult to move when it comes to doing the right thing. Because they'll hide behind their shields of, you know, it's policy, you got blah, blah, this, and you got to pay that, and da, 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 da. When all it, all it takes is the push of a button. All it takes is a push of a button. And boom. Find them, turn it back off. But no, you got to pay to have your subscription renewed. When don't nobody use this GPS for nothing. Because I got my cell phone. I got a cell phone, man. That's what we use our cell phones for. That's what you gave us to hook up for the phone to get hooked up to the car for. Don't nobody use the GPS in the car no more. But here again, what happens when policy becomes more important than people. When... Rules become more important than people. Stuff like this happens. Same thing we talked about yesterday with the whole Texas abortion law. So when you have a situation where a person needs an abortion for health reasons, well, you know, our hands are tied. You know, the law says what the law says, and you can get arrested. We can charge you for murder if you do that. Policy over people. Same principle. Same flipping principle. This is what happens when we make money, we make policy, we make rules more important than people. When a, a, a unique situation occurs, we're, oh, I don't, I don't know what to do. Push the button. Hashtag rush hour. Push the button. Push the button. It's like, it, 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 is it really this complicated? Push the button. So, had this child, and not to even mention the mama, I'm, I'm going to get on the mama in a minute because God bless her heart. You know, but if this something had happened to this child, because the child was literally running around in the street. I thought they found the child in the car. This child was running around in the street. They kicked the child out the car. There's something that happened to this child. Oh, they, 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 they do far more damage to you. Class action lawsuits out the wazoo. Y'all already getting sued as it is. Y'all, they, 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 they going to have the audacity to now, y'all, Volkswagen going to have the audacity to now, um, you know, make the policy, I mean, make the, um, the, 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 the GPS last five years instead of one. So what happens on year six? You, you gotta renew. We're gonna turn it back on. Dude, you changing, you changing GPS ext time extension. Dude, that wasn't the issue. Nobody cares about how long the policy, the policy lasts. What we're asking for is in a unique situation where a child's been kidnapped because the car he's in the car, turn the GPS on so we can find this car. 
How about you just do the right thing? Like, why? Well, we gonna extend it out to five years instead of one. Who cares? What if it's year six? What if it's year seven? What if it's year eight? And some carjacker wants to jack this person's car. You trying to extend the policy. The, the timeline. So that way, it, you know, it sure it never happens again. If you're going to do that, you might as well have the GPS last for the duration of the car. If you're going to do all that. Like, that's ridiculous. And so again, what 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 do we what do we what do we see? This is what happens. This is what happens when we put anything when we put when we put stuff over people. And and in, 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 in indicative of how we are with people, how we are with God, and we'll talk about this in further detail in in, in just a few minutes. When we put anything above God. This is what happens. We put business above. We'll put. We'll. 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 We'll put anything. When we put anything above them, th- we can expect stuff like this to happen. No, it sounds like mom was getting everybody ready to go. Put the kid in the car, and these people saw a vulnerable woman. And pushed her because they say they pushed her down and ran her over. And she and thank and thank God she still the child she was born healthy. She was twenty four weeks pregnant at the time. She's still going to physical therapy for for her for her injuries. And so, this is what happens when you put material things over God. People stealing stuff. You put material things over God. Policy is more important than saving a child's life. And so, we the people of God, we need to do a a heart check. Are we putting things or people above God? Because when we do, stuff like this can happen. Where we forsake humanity for policy. I've told you that guys this before and I'll say it again. I think I just said it earlier. Don't mind saying it one more time, you know. Our politicians... Policy over people. Policy over humanity. They're only they're only showing their humanity when it's convenient, not when it's right. For the most part. You do have your exceptions. But it's putting policy over people. See it happening everywhere, putting policy over people. This defenseless child, all Volkswagen had to do was push a button two times, one to turn it on and another to turn it off to find out where this kid is. 
That's it. I remember when I was um, going to grad school and or was applying to grad school and I put one of the schools that I didn't finish um, on the on the on the application and I couldn't take it off couldn't take it off the application and so I had to get a transcript from that school that I didn't finish and owe them some back pay um, in order to get my transcript. It was only by the grace of God I found this woman's number. The, 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 the actual registrar of the school. And I called and I talked to her and was like, listen, you have no reason to, 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 to give me a transcript. You have no reason to give me one. I dropped out of this school. I owe y'all money that I don't have. And I just, I don't, I ain't got it. I'm just, I'm just going, I'm just put them, I ain't got it. And I just need one transcript. Just one. Can I please have a transcript? She said to me, you have 24 hours to do what you need to do. She was all in, the policy is, if you ain't got your debts paid up, you can't get transcripts from the school. Dead to rights. She got me dead to rights. So, all I can do is ask for mercy. She could have said no. But her, in her compassion, she opened the gate for 24 hours for me to get a transcript so I could go to grad school and do what I'm doing now. Had it not been for her, I would I would have had to fight a little bit harder, work a little bit longer, find some other circumvent way, and may have had to go to school maybe in a year or two years or whatever. But instead, she said, you got 24 hours. She had compassion for me. I wish I would have kept that lady name, you know, in, in all that. And gave her a thank you card, some cash or something. Because she didn't have to do that. She had me dead to rights. Dead to rights. But because of her compassion, her humanity, the God in her. I'm just, I'll put it out there. The God in her. She gave me 24 hours to get what I needed to get in order to apply to the school that I applied to. And that led me on the course to get my degree. And now do the therapy that I'm doing. We need more people in these spaces to have the heart of Christ. So that humanity supersedes policy. Now I'm not saying that, you, you know, because you do it for one, you do it for all. Case by case basis. Case by case basis. Like I said, lady had me dead to rights, but the love of Christ sh shined forth in that situation that even though you have me dead to rights, Jesus, in my sin and my shame, you overlooked my sin, guilt, and shame and allowed me entry into the kingdom upon repentance and belief. Just like I got that transcript when I didn't deserve it. Didn't deserve it. God has given me life 
that I didn't deserve. The people at Volkswagen should have gave those gave the police the GPS tracking that the, that they didn't deserve because they didn't pay the 150. Because humanity should supersede policy. The rules of of, of the of engagement when it comes to God says we have come woefully short. Have fallen woefully short of the glory of God. God has us dead to rights in our sin, guilt, and shame, and yet he overlooks our guilt and shame upon repentance and belief in Jesus because Jesus took on sin, guilt, and shame for us that we might be called the righteousness of God. It's why we look to Jesus, who's the author and the finisher of our faith. Because while we were sinners, while we were mistakes, while we were our issues, while we were our traumas, while we were our, 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 our we were enemies, ungodly, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to clean yourself up before you, before you became a part of the kingdom. He didn't wait for you to get everything right. He didn't wait for you to, 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 to clean everything up. No, while you were a sinner, Christ died for the ungodly. That upon repentance and belief, by the power of the Almighty God, resting, resting and riding and ruling in the, in, uh, abiding and ruling in our hearts, I yield, God, I yield. What must I do to be saved? Your salvation is eternally secure in the one who eternally secured it because God loved you so much that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. So we thank God today. Thank God that the child is still alive. We thank God that the child, you know, um, didn't, you know, fall up by the wayside somewhere. We thank God you know that that nothing that, that 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 the mom is recovering well, but we pray for justice for both for all the for the family because they didn't deserve that. They didn't deserve that. Somebody in that office should have stepped up and said, "Normally I don't do this, but y'all got 15 minutes." Something. Something. Normally I don't do this, but I'm going to open it up for a day. Normally I don't do this, but you got 24 hours. Can you imagine the joy that would have washed over them? Because they were unworthy by virtue of having not paid. And yet, how much compassion and mercy would have may have washed over them had a person just said, "You got twenty four hours. Go get your son back. Go get your son back."
You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Grateful for the 3,500 likes that we've received thus far. Definitely keep those likes coming if you so desire. Thank you for every like, every comment, every follow, and every share. If you've missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go right now to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show. Listen to every episode from inception to now. When we come back, we're going to be talking about what happens when we put other things and other people before God, particularly our spouses and our children. And we're going to talk about how we should be wary of not doing that because of the dangers that come with it. Thank you so much for watching. We'll be right back in just a moment. show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Talking to a client yesterday, and this guy was so broken up, busted, and disgusted over the fact that his wife was wanting a divorce, you know, wanting to you know, basically, you know, implode their entire marriage, implode their entire relationship. And as such, you know, he's frustrated on the inside because he's like, dude, you know, you know, I, I, I want my marriage, I want my marriage, I want my marriage. And then our last conversation before the one that we had this time around, I told him, you're fighting so hard to get your marriage back you've forgotten everything that that we got that we've been talking about in terms of you needing to better yourself 
You're so focused on her, so fixated on her, so fixated on wanting her, her, her. You've forgotten about you. You've forgotten about yourself. We're not working on your marriage. We're working on you. And I told, I told him, you need to, whatever it is that she wants you to do, she wants to sign the papers, sign those papers. She wants to, get, you want out the house, get out the house. Whatever it is that she wants, give that to her and leave her alone. And get back in therapy and get to work on what you need to do. And so, you know, he boo-hoo cried, boo-hoo cried, boo-hoo cried. Um, came back this time around. And he said, you know, after talking with you, talking with my dad, and talking with my pastor, I realized all three of you were saying the exact same thing. All three of you were saying, I need to stop focusing on her and focus on me. And I realized that in focusing in, in focusing on her, I forgot about God. And I was like, thank God he said the word God, because, man, I can't say it until you say it. But now that you say it, I can say what I want to say for real, for real. Um, and so, you know, he said, I forgot about God. And I realized that in forgetting about him, I made her my idol. I said, finally. Yes. Exactly. Your focus was on the wrong flipping thing. And that's why your life imploded the way that it has. Because God, in his infinite wisdom, had to blow your marriage up to show you you lost focus on what really matters. I need y'all look right at me. Sometimes the refiner's fire burns so hard. Because God has to literally implode your entire life in order to show you just how far you strayed from him. Sometimes God has to burn your world down in an attempt to get you to see just how far away you have removed yourself from him. See, for a lot of us, we think that this walk of God is about God setting us up to have the good life. But sometimes that good life can get in the way of the, of the relationship that God wants to have with us. And so in God's infinite love, wisdom, and mercy... He will sometimes burn our world to the ground so that our souls can be saved. Because somewhere along the way, we forgot about God. I told this man yesterday, I said, look at what God was doing every time you forgot about him. You were so fixated on having this perfect life for yourself, the perfect wife, the perfect kids, the perfect job, the perfect house, and all this stuff. You were so fixated on that because it validated you. Having the wife, having the kids, having the cars, having the job, all of that was your personal vindication, your validation. Hey, do you see me? Do you see me? That was That's all that was. 
and you say that you love God and you say that you are his and he is yours and yet you're more worried about everybody else seeing you rather than resting in the fact that God sees you regardless of what standing you have in this world. So because you were more concerned about the validation of man than the validation of God, anytime your 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 marriage was shaky, the kids were off course, family wasn't acting right, or the job wasn't acting right, you start seeking validation. Somebody to validate, somebody to validate. And when your wife couldn't do it, you sought validation through the arms of another woman. And you did that time and time and time and time and time again in an attempt to get the dopamine hit that you needed in order to keep moving about in your day. And every time you did that, God in his infinite wisdom would have your would have that woman find out about your wife because you weren't telling them the truth about what was going on. Find out about your wife and call your wife so that they could have a conversation about the fact that they didn't know about each other. And so... You, forgetting about God, needed validation through somebody or something else, got the validation, but put a world of hurt on yourself and your family. And God in his infinite wisdom constantly has burned your world down to try to show you, hey, you forgot about me. Hey. You don't need validation from man. I already validated you when I died on the cross and rose again. You don't need anybody's validation. You don't need anybody's attention. You don't need anybody's affection like you need mine. It's good to have it. Very good to have it. But you don't need it compared to what God has. To what God gives and so God said to him, look at what you kept putting before me. You put the job before me. You put the kids before me. You put your wife before me. You put these other women before me. You put your bosses before me. You put your, your mama and your daddy before me. On repeat in this attempt... <coughs> To get, to get validation, to get that dopamine hit of validation, you forgot about me. God ain't playing. Look, I need y'all, I need, I need y'all look right at me. God ain't playing when he says, you shall have no other gods before me. And if you say that you are a believer in God, God in his infinite wisdom will burn your world to the ground to break you from the idols that you're worshiping. That is a mercy from God. Some people may feel like that's a punishment, but that is a mercy from God. Because God is saying, if you love me like you say you do, I, in my infinite wisdom, will burn your world to the ground so that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt 
that I am the Lord. When you look throughout biblical history, you see people who tried to hold on to idols and God burned those idols down. All throughout biblical history, we see time and time again, people worshiping idol gods, worshiping themselves, worshiping the idols of, of, of the, of the, of the um, nations that they were surrounded by, worshiping their own greed, worshiping their own lust, worshiping their own passions. Heck, we can look to David. David and David looked and saw Bathsheba, knew good and well Bathsheba was not his wife, knew whose wife it was, and yet summoned her anyway and made her sleep with him. I mean, you, 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 that what that was not a passionate affair. Okay, made her sleep with him, and then had that whole had her husband killed, so that way he could take he could take her in because she got pregnant off of that. God was not pleased with that. In his infinite wisdom and mercy said, because of what happened with Uriah, I'm taking your son from you. In his infinite wisdom, God will burn our worlds to the ground to remind us and to show us, I am the Lord. And that is a mercy because God, again, having us dead to rights, could easily just wipe us out. But instead, he says, because you belong to me, I have to make you see that you are mine. I am the Lord who brought you out of Egypt and is bringing you into the promised land. You shall have no other gods before me. You fill in your own blank. I am the Lord who blank for you. You shall have no other gods before me. I just got done telling y'all, I am the Lord your God who put compassion on this woman to get you a, 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 um, a, a, a transcript so you could go to grad school. You shall have no other gods before me. You fill in your own blank. What has God done for you? Because God has done so much for us. And in that space, that should be all the proof we need that you shall have no other gods before you. And if they, if you ain't got nothing that he's done for you and can't think of anything, the one thing you ought to be able to say is, I am the Lord your God who got on a cross and died so that your sins can be forgiven and you can be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. It has made peace with God, between you and God, and bridged that gap that's going to bring you into the new heavens and the new earth and the life to come. You shall have no other gods before me. None. Because what can your wife do for your soul? What can your kids do for your soul? What can your job do for your soul? What can your house do for your soul? Nothing. We as the people of God, we have to examine our lives regularly to see what are we putting before him. What is taking up our time, taking up our energy, taking up our effort? What are we seeking validation from? What are we seeking hope from? What are we seeking joy from? What are we seeking gratification from? And in, in, in those pursuits, are they, are they godly pursuits? 
Are we glorifying God in what we're doing? Just got done talking about the BBL yesterday. Like, how is getting a BBL glorifying God? What is that? How is that? How how are we, you know, saying, God, thank you for the BBL? How is that glorifying God? You can pursue it. That's fine. And you're not going to go to hell for getting one. But can you honestly say that that's a godly pursuit? Because what are you getting it for? What are you getting married for? What are you getting? What are you raising kids for? What are you buying a house for? What are you, you know, buying the cars for? What are you getting the job for? You got to do a heart check. Because if you're putting these things before God and worshiping these things as if these are the things that are going to satisfy me, God will use that thing and burn your world to the ground if necessary, in order to save your soul. Because in the grand scheme of things, our scriptures tell us heaven and earth will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. So all these things... Can you honestly say they are satisfying the soul? And you know the answer, believer. No, no, it's not. It's always the next thing that we're going to want, the next thing that we're going to need. I told somebody yesterday, because he was like, I don't know, I don't know what to do to make myself happy. I don't know what to do to be content. You know, I'm trying to achieve these things for contentment. I said, maybe contentment isn't about you achieving the things, but it's about you appreciating the journey while you're in pursuit. The secret to contentment is that regardless of whether I have little or I have a lot, I have joy. And it's because it's anchored in a person, the person, the person in Jesus Christ. Not anchored in a pursuit. So we would do well, believers. To be careful not to put anything or anyone before God. Because when we do that, God will, in his love, his mercy, and his grace, burn our worlds to the ground. He will burn our worlds to the ground. So that... We can be saved, can be sanctified, purified, more like Christ. Some of us sometimes can get nervous when life is going really good that any shift in the life that we're living can cause us to fall out of alignment with God. And so we get in defense mode and start trying to figure out how to preserve what we have rather than putting it in the hands of God and saying, listen, I trusted you to give it to me. I'm trusting you to keep it. 
But like Job, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. But blessed be the name of the Lord. I'm just, I'm just going to trust. And I'm going to keep moving and keep walking in the glory and the honor and the faith of God. And know that if God means for me to keep it, it'll be kept. And I'll take care of it. But I'm not going to be so afraid to lose it that I'm fighting to preserve and costing myself my relationship with Jesus in the process. Instead, I'm going to continue to love God, love people, and in whatever configuration that comes, I'm game. Be respectful. Hold, you know, boundaries appropriately. But be willing to put anything on the altar if it has the potential to stand in the way of what God wants me to do, where God wants me to be, who God wants me to be, in light of who he is. I said this yesterday, and I'll say it again. To any of my ministers, preachers, pastors, and bishops. Don't let your ministries come before God. And I know what you're thinking. How can a ministry come before God? Am I not doing things for God? If your family is suffering in some way, shape, or form because you are preaching more than you are fathering or mothering or husbanding, wifing, That's a problem. If the only time that you're cracking open your Bible is to preach or to teach, that's a problem. If the only time that you're listening to gospel music is when it's time to rehearse the next song for the choir, or for the praise and worship ministry, that's a problem. If the only time that you're praying is when the pastor says, let us pray, that's a problem. If your life of ministry looks better than your home, that's a problem. And so what God is saying to us today, don't put anything before God. My hierarchy, and it may be different from yours, God, family, and that includes self in there too, church, people, not church institution, ministry, where the institution's at. God, Family, church, ministry. Nothing should supersede God. When you put God in his proper place, it is then that you can see your soul flourish, even in the struggle. 
Paul said, peace, contentment, rests in God and rests in the power of Jesus Christ. You're watching the True Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D. Right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Certainly grateful for the 3,500 likes that we've received today. Thank you for every like, comment, follow, and share. If you missed any part of this message or would like to listen to past episodes, you can go right now to Spotify and Apple Podcasts and subscribe to the True Gospel Morning Show. Uh, we thank you so much for watching. When we come back, we're going to be talking about Draymond Green's indefinite suspension from the NBA and how the team, the league, and the Players Association came to the conclusion that an indefinite suspension would be better than a set amount of games. Um, thank you so much again for watching. We'll be right back in just a moment. Gospel Morning Show with your boy Eddie D right here on TikTok Live. We're with you Monday through Friday, 6 a.m. to 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, our Something Praiseworthy today is coming out of the NBA. Uh, we want to uh, praise uh, and celebrate the NBA for suspending Draymond Green indefinitely. I know what you're thinking. How is that something praiseworthy? Well, let me read the story and let you know, and, and tell you why we're, why we're thinking this to be praiseworthy today. The Golden State Warriors held a team meeting Wednesday to discuss Draymond Green's indefinite suspension and the actions and behaviors that led to it. It was an honest and emotional conversation, but at the root of each message shared was the commitment to Green as a player and a person. 
the conversations um, we had yesterday, this is a quote from Steph, um, Stephen Curry, um, the conversations that we had yesterday were about him and making sure the focus is getting right and getting on a path that is going to allow him to be who he needs to be as a person, a man, a father, a husband, and a basketball player in that order, Warriors guard Stephen Curry said. Curry said that the conversation was about holding each other accountable, holding Draymond accountable to what's been going on and what needs to change. Warriors coach Steve Kerr said that Green's latest altercation, swiping Phoenix Suns center Yusuf Nurkic, um, Nurkic in the face in what Green said was an attempt to sell a foul call, was concerning because it was the fourth incident in the past year in which he acted out violently. These acts weren't the same as his past ejections that were caused by yelling at an official or some other demonstrative antics during the game. Quote, the one who choked Rudy Gobert, the one who took a wild flail at Yusuf, the one who punched Jordan Poole last year, that's the guy who needs to change. This is not about an outburst on the court. It's about his life. It's about someone who I believe in, someone I have known for decades, who I love for his loyalty, Steve Kerr said. Following Green's assault of Poole, the Warriors and Green agreed that he should spend time away from the team, and he did for less than one week, but that didn't change his behavior. A source told ESPN that the Warriors lost all leverage in holding Green accountable when they failed to give him harsher punishment during last year's preseason altercation with Poole. Now with the league stepping in, there is a major shift in the organization's messaging toward Green and his behavior. Quote, The tone has obviously changed from any other suspension, Steph Curry said. Times have passed where we're just here because we're playing basketball. You gotta take a step back and make sure everybody is right. Curry, Kerr, and General Manager Mike Dunleavy Jr., all underlined the importance of Green using his ban as a time for personal growth. Dunleavy said he suggested to the league that there be no set timeline for the suspension in order to give Green as much time as he needs. Curry expressed confidence in Green's ability to find his better side, saying that part of Wednesday's meeting was Green acknowledging his behavior must change. However, Dunleavy couldn't ensure that there wouldn't be another incident whenever Green returns. Quote, I can't guarantee you that. I can just say we will continue to do the right things to help him. I think we've done a decent job at that in the past and we'll continue to work through it all. There are a lot of parties involved. The biggest thing here to me is not the punishment. It's helping and giving assistance. On Wednesday night, the league announced Green's suspension timeline would be tied to him meeting, quote, certain league and team conditions before he returns to play. Um, we want to see you, quote, we want to see you at your best, and the best way for you to do that is to get yourself mentally and emotionally back to where you need to be. NBA Executive Vice President Joe Dumar said on ESPN's first take, quote, that's how we get, that's how we got to indefinite. And it goes on um, to say a whole lot more about what he did in the past and um, and what they're continuing to do. But this is our something praiseworthy because what we see hap what we saw happen is that rather than trying to work on the ball player, they instead are working on the man. Instead of working on the ball player, they're working on the man. Draymond Green 
for all intents and purposes, got something going on with him. We don't know what it is. Only he knows. But the man's got something going on with him. And no amount of suspending him for games, obviously, was going to make a difference. You know, you suspend when you suspend a person for games, they they get the money taken from that's money taken from them, there's checks taken from them, you know, possible endorsements taken away, um, and those sort of things. But none of them were a deterrent for how violent he acts on the court, for one reason or another. You know, yeah, you want to stick up for your players, and yeah, you want to sell foul calls, but there's a way to do that that doesn't incite violence and knocking people out and choking people out and stuff. And his um, antics were only growing and growing more and more violent. And his laissez-faire attitude about it, well, you know, I'm just selling a foul call. Or, well, he, you know, just I was just part of the game, man. You know, and I'm not going to apologize for doing something that I did because I did it for this reason. You know, he, I, just caught, I just cold cocked him. You know, I wouldn't, you know, I'm just, he's just sorry that, you know, he got hit. But I was trying to sell a call, so I'm not going to apologize for what I did because I was doing it for, for this intention. No remorse, you know, no, 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 you know, I, I'm, I'm sorry, man, I knocked you out. Like, there's no trying to pick the man up off the floor, none of that type of stuff. It's just pure, no, just no, just no remorse at all. And so, and so, again, they could have easily have put a set game, set number of games on it, but they said to put a set number of games on it, this, come, this came from Joe Dumars um, yesterday, to put a set number of games on his suspension would show, um, um, would show that they're more concerned about the, the the punitive aspect of the suspension rather than working on the man, and they're not trying to. They're not worried about being punitive. Yes, he does need to be punished, which is why again he's not playing right now. But while he's not playing, they want him to go take care of himself. Go, go go get some help rather than count down the number of days before you get back on the court. Go get help. Go talk to somebody. Go figure out why violence is your answer to deal with what you got going on on the court. Go talk about why that, that that's happening. Like Steph Curry said, we want to see you become a better man, a better friend, a better, um, you know, brother, a better father, a better husband, then a better basketball player. Like, all, all the, all your skills on the court, we ain't worried about that no more. We ain't worried about that. You know, you, we, we, love, we love you on the court, Draymond. We, I, I, I love rooting against you, Draymond, because you are so freaking good, and you're not playing on the team I want you to play for, clearly. You know, but you know, your humanity, your humanity, what we've been talking about all show, y'all, your humanity is more important than your skill set. We're more worried about the man than we are the baller. And so the NBA is our something praiseworthy today. We celebrate the NBA. We thank God for the NBA for stepping up and saying, we want to get this man some help. Go get your life right. Go get it together. Go figure out why this is the path that you take when you play ball. And what can you do to, to eliminate that out of your skill set, to eliminate that 
to eliminate that from how you play. Because that's uncalled for. You don't have to do this. You don't have to play like that. There are ways to sell calls that don't require you cold cocking somebody in order to get the ref to see you and call the foul. Because guess who the foul got called on? Not the dude you were trying to get fouled. It got called on you. You got called for the foul. You got ejected. Not him. So you didn't sell the call. If anything, you sold the call on yourself. And so the NBA stepped in and said, no, let's not, let's not worry about how many games he's going to be off the court. Let's not worry about that. We don't need the message to be, you know, you know we're going to be punitive, and this is how many games you're going to get, you know, for what you did. Instead, we want you to go get help. So you're, in, so you're suspended indefinitely. We're not going to put a set amount on it. Go get the help that you need. Go talk to whoever you need to talk to. Go, you know, go to whatever retreat you need to go to. Go talk to whoever you, whoever, whoever you praying to, you know. And when you come back, be ready to play ball, but be ready to play ball as a different person. Not saying that you can't go hard in the paint, but go hard in the paint in a way that's not going to cost your team or cost you. Because you ain't got to cold cock somebody to sell a call. That's not how ba- that's not how basketball is played. You ain't got to choke somebody out in order to get them to stop bothering one of your teammates. That, that, that that's uncalled for. You ain't got to do none of that. No, you ain't got to step on nobody. You ain't got to manhandle nobody. You ain't got to wrestle nobody. This is not the WWE. You want to do all that? SmackDown come on every Thursday. I think. I think it still come on every Thursday. Monday Night Raw still come on TV. You can go wrestle there. A, 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 I think it's A-E-N. You can go, you can go wrestle with them. They come on TNT. They, 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 they got that. But this is, that basketball is not that. And so again, I thank God for the NBA for showing us how to go about restoring. Oh, let me see if I, oh, I got, I hope I can find it. I hope I can find it. Oh, I hope I can find it. Let me see. Let me see. Gosh almighty. Um. I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm probably not going to be. I'm not probably not going to be able to find it. Dog it. I'm probably not going to be able to find it. Um, It might be in. It might be in Matthew. Let me see. Let me see. Matthew 17. I found it. I found it. Okay. Talking about restoring our brothers. Restoring our brothers and sisters. If your brother sins against you, go to and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he, and this is Matthew 18. Starting at verse 15. If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two brothers along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, um, tell it to the church. If he listens to, if he refuses to listen even to the church, 
Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. Truly I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. The restoration of our brothers and sisters. This is the formula. And the NBA is showing us as believers that we don't have to resort to, you know, to, to um, you know, punitive measures in an attempt to try to restore somebody back to the fold. You know, again, they've given Draymond Green so many chances to get it right. And yet he constantly showed, I ain't changing. This is this me. This is who I am. And so now they've taken this next drastic step in an attempt to show him, no, bro, you, you can't do this. You cannot act like this and expect everything to be all right. You can't go on the court like this. This ain't going to work. This ain't going to fly. You can't keep doing this. You cannot keep doing this. And so, again, I thank God for the NBA for showing us as the brothers and sisters in Christ that we, too, can see the humanity of a person and attempt to show them or help them get their lives back on track. We don't got to excommunicate, you know, right off the bat. We don't have to judge. We don't have to ridicule. We don't have to criticize. We don't have to ostracize. We can step in that gap and say, how can I help you? How can I help you? Now, if you've done that, as it says in scripture, and they still, I'm going to be me, I'm going to do me, then we start thinking about, okay, well, maybe we need to cut you off because you ain't talking like a believer at this point. And so, again, you know, if it, if it comes to that point, that's what we do. But we got to make sure that we're doing everything that we can as brothers and sisters in Christ. Again, I'm not suggesting that you let people walk all over you. That's not what I'm saying. But we got to make sure that we're giving people ample opportunity. If they say they're saved, that's the, and that's the key. If they say they're saved, if they say they are a believer, if they say that they believe in Jesus Christ and the pardoning of sins, and they believe that Jesus Christ, that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and they are their Lord and Savior over their lives, then we, as the believers, have to give them an opportunity if they've done wrong, if they've fallen short, if they made a mistake, to turn their lives back over to Jesus. We've got to give them a chance. Why? Because Jesus gave us a chance. After 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 chance. So we, as the believers of God, we got to extend grace, extend mercy, and provide pathways for restoration. Provide pathways to peace, pathways to hope, pathways to joy. Pathways to restoration. What the NBA has done has shown us that a man is much more than his skill set. A man is much more, a man or a woman, man or woman, is more than what they're able to do. They are souls. 
with an eternal hope, an eternal promise, an eternal purpose, an eternal destiny. And we would do well to help that more so than the skills. Are the Golden State Warriors going to miss Draymond Green? Absolutely. Because they are terrible right now. And they are just going to be worse without that man on the court. It sucks. But what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? What's a championship trophy and a banner in, on the uh, you know scaling from the rooftop if his soul is lost who cares how many rings you got on your finger if your soul is lost who cares how much money you got in the bank if your soul is lost who cares if you have statues in front of stadiums if your soul is lost. So I'm so grateful today that the NBA has shown us as the believers in God that maybe, just maybe, we can see the soul and the humanity of a person and aim our efforts again for the believers. Mm -hmm. Aim our efforts at restoration instead of perfection. How do we encourage one another to be what God has called us to be rather than tearing each other down because of our faults and flaws? They could have easily just excoriated Draymond Green, but instead they said, Let's help him to become a better man, a better husband, a better father, a better friend, a better leader, then a better basketball player. In that order, they, they said, and excuse my language, damn the basketball skills. I want to see you better as a man, as an image bearer of God. I don't know. I hope I don't know God. I don't know if they believe in Jesus like that, but that's what I. I want to see you as a better image bearer, molded and shaped in His image. I want to see the. I want to see you go through the refiner's fire. What I, we just got done talking about this. Got to burn. Let me burn your world down, Draymond, so I can build you up better. I can purify you of some things that are not of me so I can make you better. I'm a, I'm crazy to believe if Draymond takes hold of this process, this man going to go on to score more points in these next 50 games than he's probably scored in, in half his career. I'm crazy enough to believe that. Because he will be able to play from a place of peace. And purpose, and not from whatever place he was playing from prior to the suspension. And so, again, 
I thank the NBA. I thank God for the NBA. I thank God for Joe Dumars. I thank God for Adam Silver. I thank God for um, Andre Iguodala. I thank God for Steve Kerr. I thank God for that for Mike Dunleavy Jr. I thank God for you know the entire Warriors organization and everybody that was involved in the process of saying Draymond, go get some help. Forget about basketball. Just go get some help. Talk to whoever you need to talk to. Consult whoever you need to consult. Talk, you know, deal with whoever you need to deal with, and go get some help. How much further along would a lot of our people be in the world we live in today if somebody would see us and see all that we're doing, lashing and rashing and all that type of stuff, and say to us, how about we go get you some help? Instead of label, labeling us as angry black men or angry black women or, you know, you know, country or, you know, backwoods or troubled or, you know, drug addicted, strung out, whatever the case is, saying, how about we go get you some help? How about we go get you some help? Because it's amazing what could happen if somebody just stepped in the gap for us and said, Brother, sister, let's help you. Not going to criticize, not going to judge, not going to ridicule, not going to ostracize. We're going to help you. All the 59 one another's in the scriptures, that's us, fam. How do we love one another? How do we treat one another with respect? How do we care for one another? How are we there for one another? That's us, saints. So again, we would do well to remember. Could have been us. Has been us. And somebody stepped in the gap for us. So let us thank God and not criticize Draymond Green even though what he did was dumb I just criticized him, sorry but pray that he get the help that he needs so that he can be the person that God has called him to be I want to thank y'all so much for taking the time to watch me on today thank you so much for supporting the True Gospel Morning Show I want to thank everybody who watched on today, every person who commented, every person who liked, followed, and shared. Um, you guys are all rock stars in my book. Thank you so much. Remember, come in January, we're going to move our time slot from 6 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time so that we can catch the West Coast as they're waking up. And so um, I'm looking forward to that, so excited about that because that means I get to sleep in a little bit more and things like that um, and be more well-rested in order to talk with you guys even though you, I'm full of energy anyway. Um, so just be looking out for that come January 2nd, 2024. Um, but again, I love you guys so, so much. As always, if you can't see the good, be the good. I love you guys. Peace out, homies.